Thank you. Well, I'm joined live here by the former U.S. Vice President Al Gore and, of course, climate champion. Uh, we, we see here today this Climate Ambition Summit, and we've also seen in recent times the raw impact of climate change, wildfires, flooding, droughts, heat waves. Yeah. Why is it proving so difficult for, companies to, or for countries to stick to their targets, to stick to their pledges? Well, uh, first of all, you're quite right, and I think everyone, almost everyone, agrees that this summer has seen the climate crisis go to a, an entirely new level of seriousness. Uh, and the warnings of the scientists uh, were correct, and we should pay more attention to what they're warning will happen now if we don't start cutting this heat-trapping pollution. Why has it been uh, so difficult uh, for some countries to do it? First of all, there has been a lot of progress, but the fossil fuel industry uh, has turned out to be way better at capturing politicians than at capturing emissions. Uh, and they have fought tooth and nail against any and every measure to try to cut back on the burning of fossil fuels. The climate crisis is a fossil fuel crisis. And there are many politicians that are just in the, are so in tune with the fossil fuel polluters that they do whatever they want, whatever the polluters ask them to do. Well, just on that note, we saw today the British Prime Minister announcing a delay to many policies, including a delay to the ban on new petrol and diesel cars, supposed to be 2030, pushed back to 2035. What's your response to Rishi Sunak's actions? Well, I have to say, first of all, I'm not a citizen of the United Kingdom, and I will leave that up to the people who are citizens of the UK. But speaking from a global perspective, if I may, it's certainly shocking and disappointing, particularly at a time when the rest of the world is struggling to move in the right direction to have uh, a leader of the UK, which has been in recent years uh, trying to provide a leadership role to turn back in the wrong direction. Again, this is for the people of the UK. I have heard from many friends in the UK, including many members of the Conservative Party, by the way, who have used the phrase uh, utter disgust and contempt. Uh, and young people who feel really strongly about this. Some have said they feel like they were stabbed in the back. But this is for the UK to sort out and I'm going to stay out of the political situation there. What does it say though about global unity and about the push for climate change when the UK, a global leader, has a permanent seat on the Security Council here and the Prime Minister, instead of coming to discuss with the other nations how to fix this problem, stays at home and announces decisions delaying actions? Well, I think that many here would say uh, they, they're quite disappointed by it. Does it send a message to other nations, though, who perhaps look to the UK for leadership? Have in the past, uh, and at times in the past, the UK has been one of the uh, impressive leaders on, on, on climate. And so uh, for those who have come to expect that from the UK, it, it's a particular disappointment, of course, and, and the timing is as well. The opposite of that, I suppose, is the address that we saw from the U.S. President here, Joe mm. Biden, yesterday. Mm. He gave quite an impassioned plea around climate change mm. and around the Sustainable Development Goals as well. But it's action, isn't it? Not just promises. That yes, are and, and uh, President Biden has the credibility to say what he did because, uh, even though I haven't agreed with everything he's done, he passed the largest and best climate legislation that any country has ever passed uh, in, in history. Uh, and it is beginning to bring about a very positive change in the U.S. And uh, we've seen uh, other countries stimulated uh, 
to do positive things too. Uh, Brazil, Australia, both have changed their governments and adopted pro-climate policies. And the European Union has accelerated the clean energy transition, uh, partly because their ambitions uh, merged with their disgust uh, at Putin's uh, craven effort to blackmail them into supporting his sadistic invasion of Ukraine. It is very difficult, though, for nations in the global south to keep up with some of these policies, isn't it? Perhaps they're struggling maintaining their debt uh, responsibilities and can't put that focus into, into policies. Should they be helped more by the UN? Well, yes, and one of the big uh, uh, topics of conversation here uh, at this session at the UN has been how to make uh, private finance more available to developing countries. You know, the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, for example, play a big role in trying to even up the access to borrowing. Uh, we're seeing, you know, last year, 88% of all the new electricity generation worldwide was from renewables. 20% uh, of all the new car sales now are electric vehicles. But in the developing countries of the world, the poor countries, if you will, they don't have the same access to borrow capital to build the solar farms and the wind farms and the EV factories. But we have to change that. Well, this summit today, the Ambition Summit, is about celebrating the first movers and doers. Is there hope as you see it, or is it too late for the planet at this stage? Oh, no. Uh, we don't have time for despair. <laughs> we have work to do. Uh, and, you know, in all of the morally-based movements in our history, including uh, the abolition movement, which really began in, in the UK, civil rights movement in my country, women's suffrage, in all of those movements, there were times when the advocates were tempted to despair. But when the central question was revealed uh, as a choice between what's right and what's wrong, the outcome became foreordained. We are very close to that political tipping point where climate is concerned. Okay, well, we leave it there on that note.